Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Michigan Avenue Media and the World of Ink Network. This podcast was founded in 2011 by Marsha Casper Cook and Virginia Grenier. Their focus has always been on helping writers reach their dreams by having informative and entertaining shows. You will also hear the latest information on what's new and exciting in the publishing and marketing industry. And the shows will also cover discussions on screenwriting, audiobooks and movies. New to the shows will be the latest style and trends in fashion, as well as nutrition and how Pinterest can add just the right spark of attention you may need for your projects. So, sit back and relax and enjoy the show. You can find out more information about our shows and being a guest at www.michiganavenuemedia.com. Hi, everybody. It's Marsha Cook, and it's a good story is a good story on Michigan Avenue Media. Uh, happy Valentine's Day early, but we always like to have some kind of Valentine's Day after all these years, you know, about love, romance, because everybody likes that, and we're going to talk about that today, and we have a really good guest on today. And um, let's see, I think I should give a, a few little, t- let's see, we have a lot of upcoming shows, and uh, we have... We're going to celebrate Women's Horror Month, and that will be with Elizabeth Black, and we have several authors, and that's on at the end of the month. And we're going to have several children's shows um, next month, and we're having one on the 26th of February. And uh, if anybody has something that, you know, after over 10 years of shows with Red River and Michigan Avenue, I think, you know, we've covered about, a lot of things on writing and authors, screenplays, directors, producers. So if you have anything you want to talk about, just let me know. And if you want to come on with a few of your friends to talk about something that you like, maybe a movie or uh, other things like that, then please just feel free to let me know because I'm open to new topics and fun shows. And uh, I could say one thing about movies. Um, you know, the Academy Awards was on. It was really fun. Everybody looked beautiful and great. And I must say, Parasite, I just watched it this week, and it's really good, and it really deserved to do all – it really did deserve all those accolades that it got. And uh, it was surprising to me how good it was, and I thought it would be different than it was. So I think it's something that writers – because um, it's really got a good plot, and it really keeps you – it's a, I write screenplays, as people know, and it was really, really good. So check it out. And, okay, I'm going to – let's see. I think I'll bring Melissa. Melissa. Hi. Yeah. This is Melissa Rydell-Turner, and uh, she's an author, and she's with DLG Publishing and um, April Luna. I think she'll be joining us in a little while. But how are you, Melissa? I'm so glad you came on. It seemed like so long ago we talked and said we'll do a show in February. <laughs> it seems like, but now here it is. So I'm glad you're here. I want to tell everybody a little bit about yourself and uh, your projects that you're, you're upcoming and your book now. So then we'll talk. About sure. Um, well, um, my name is Melissa Riddell. Um, that's my pen name. Uh, my real name is Melissa Riddell Turner. Um my very first book released at the end of November, it's called The Descendant. It's book one of the Baltimore Trilogy. 
Um, I've finished the second book, and it's actually in my editor's hands. Um, but the first, it's a science fiction romance, and it's basically, it takes place in Texas. Um, Tilly Morgan is a 20-year-old girl who has survived an EMP um, and then a, a virus that's killed off most of uh, the population. And she's tracking across Texas on her way to Florida on foot because nothing electronic works any longer um, to find her sister. She's hoping that her sister survived. So it's like a kind of a sister. That's that's always a good, you know, people do like relationships between sisters, brothers, you know, that seems to be a good thing, you know, um, the feeling, find, like looking for a sister, and find, you know, because I did that with, in my To Life book about the Holocaust. It was a sister finding another sister. So, But I think, you know, as you're talking about this now, I'm thinking about when you wrote this, there wasn't the new virus that's out now. So it's kind no, of like, I wrote, it, you know, yeah. Yeah, I thought about that so, too. Yeah, I wrote this back, yeah. um, about a year ago. So. Yeah, so I think you know. I think there. this is very. It's now. I mean, it's like now because you know, we use everything electronic, and the thought that there won't be anything electronic. How would people even? You know, we're so used to picking up the phone, going on the computer, texting. You know, it's interesting that if we didn't have that, what would we do? It'd be very. It would be so quiet. You know, like when the electricity goes out, it's so quiet. That's like how it would yep. be. And that's and that so is a big part it? of the world. Um, yeah. Well, I think part. there's probably been a lot of books written, you know, the doomsday, kind of the electromagnetic pulse. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I worked on on base um, at an Air Force base. Um, I, I still work for the DOD, but I actually worked on base at the time. And I was thinking, you know, what if, <laughs> I love aliens and sci-fi and stuff like that, and I love romance, so <laughs> I kind of put it together. I was like, what if, you know, we're harboring an alien here? And, of course, you know, my imagination started flowing, so eventually this story came out, um, and the aliens have unre- have released the EMP and the virus. Um, that's kind of the beginning of the book. Um, but that's how the, that's how the idea came up. Which does not seem that impossible these days that uh, something like that could happen, you know, and mm-hmm. and it is scary sometimes, too, to think about it. So, I mean, you took your imagination and you let it go, which is really one of the <laughs> best things a writer can do, because when you're using your own imagination, it's not you're not copying anybody else's, you know, it's what's coming from your head. Everybody starts out with an idea, but then you move on. From the it's what yep. makes the book because you know like people say oh they you know they're worried that someone's going to steal their work you know everybody you can have one idea and ten people writing the same idea but the book would be completely different right it's everybody just the has thought a different, that they have their own with. unique voice mm-hmm. yes so how, where do you think you got how do you think you got your voice in this particular genre because it's not an easy genre sci-fi to you know. But it does have a great audience once you get, and, you know, this is going to be your first, but as you continue on, it's a very loyal audience. Well, I grew up as a avid reader from the time I was probably about 11, 12. I read books that were way 
way out of my league, but I love the stories. Like I started out with Stephen King, love Stephen King, uh, moved on yeah. to like Isaac Asimov. I love the sci-fi writers. I didn't really know I had a voice because my writing before um, had been kind of sporadic um, short stories when I was yeah. younger. I let it fall by the wayside as I was raising a family and just recently came back to it um, because I wasn't afraid of being rejected any longer. I thought, you know, if someone doesn't like the story, it's okay, you know, and found out I, I have a voice and I just, I love this genre and I love the romance, sci-fi, paranormal, any of that kind of stuff. Love that kind of stuff. Well, I think that that's, you know, it's a very big genre, open genre now, you know, but I remember when I first was, um, well, because I was a literary agent for years, my Marcus Bryan and associates for, that would be 20, 15 years, 20 years, but I, I did that forever. And at that time, you go, people would say like, oh, we don't know if we want sci-fi, you know, or period pieces. And now that seems to be a huge genre, so period piece, you know, they would say, because I did a lot with screenplays. They'd say, oh, we don't want that. You know, um, we don't want anything to do with, because it was harder to do and it was more money and, you know, but I think now it's kind of an open market and there are, you know, I'm sure you probably think of, you, you would like yours to be a movie. Everybody, most writers do. So do you feel that way or do you see it as a movie um, when you're writing something? Definitely, yes. Um, I believe the publisher may have something in the works down the road. Um, yeah, because yeah, I think it's that... important. Yeah, I, important to talk about because I think that, you know, when you're writing and you see it, that means other people can see it too because – and then when they see it, you can just visualize it to be out there, you know, as a screenwriter. And there are taking books. They're take, That's the thing. You know, um, I – in some of my screenplays that I didn't sell, I had some options, but I'm writing them as books. So I think that it goes into, it can go into either market, which is a good thing. You yeah. Know, and that, I, guess, I think. it gives people a chance to, you know, people who don't read, it gives them a chance to experience the story themselves just in a different medium. Yes. I think that's true. So do you, do you go to the movies a lot though? Or do you watch a lot of TV? I, I'm a avid movie tv person i've been so busy like i have um a paranormal romance i'm working on at the moment that's actually in my editor's hands um and then i'm going to be starting on the third book after that what i have watched in the past year i love game of thrones so i love the fantasy genre too um (laughs) um, what else the witcher i've started watching the witcher i've watched an episode of you um other than that, well, Star Trek. I love Star Trek, so I've been watching Picard. Yeah. But other than that, I have just See, been busy, yeah. busy, busy. See, that's the thing, though. Well, one of the things about TV now is is that if you start a series, it just takes so much time. I mean, it does take time, you yeah. know, um, to watch it. And, you know, I that's why I always, you know, was writing, 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 and then I started watching a lot of these things on TV, and then I'm saying to myself, this is insane because the amount of time <laughs> it takes to watch a series. So I'm trying, if I want to watch TV, I'm trying to watch movies rather than series because when yeah. you get involved in a series, it's nonstop, you know, and um, <laughs> I, you just, it takes up, it really does take a lot of time to watch them because it sucks, a lot yeah, of them are like it hour. sucks you down a black hole. <laughs> 
Right. And then I go like, oh, okay, here's the series. It's like eight seasons. I'm going like, oh, no. <laughs> so then I've tried where I've tried where I start the eighth season and go back like I did that with a few things like six set seasons and I go back and it's too hard it really is I'm going like because sometimes they recap it well like you watch Game of Thrones you, that that you ha- you can't you have to just start you know because they're yep. so I mean so meant it, it takes forever to watch this stuff that's the problem and if you're writing how much time can you do this, but then again, I think for authors and you know screenwriters, I think it's important to watch things because you want to see what's on now and how people did it. You're not copying them, but you're just seeing the style that people are liking. You know, that's true. You have yeah. to fit in your own style, but you also don't want to, you know, just not know what's happening in the real world because we get involved right. in our own books, and which is okay. So. This is a question that a lot of times people want to know is how did you get your characters started? I mean, did you come up with one okay. or a few? Yeah, how'd you do that? Well, um, <clears throat> Tilly was the main, you know, she's a protagonist. She was pretty easy to come up with. Um, I think she's similar to me, um, more like a, she, she was easy to get easy to get in her headspace. While she's traveling, right. she ends up meeting um, Jareth, who um, is the love interest. He was the harder one. Now, when I first came up with him, I think he was a little more passive. And once um, the manuscript went through the editing process, you know, April was like, you, you know, we need some distinction. And so I really, yeah. really dug into my head and pulled him out. He's not really based on anybody specific, but my closest people have asked me before, like, you know, who I would compare him to. He's a little bit of Sawyer from Lost, um, a little bit of Jon Snow from Game of Thrones, um, and then just a little bit of himself. Yeah, you you mix them. I mean, because that's the truth. Like, some people will say, like, oh, is that based on you, like not you, like me, like let's say is it based on you or anything you're like? Or My characters really have nothing to do with me. It took me a long time when I first began writing to get over the fact that people wouldn't think it's me, you know, because <laughs> I didn't want that because it isn't me. Do you know what I mean? And if they right. do things that aren't, aren't nice or that you wouldn't do, you really don't want people to think like, but so it, it did take me a long time to get over that, and now I did, because I did make a character up that was so strong and so different than me that I loved writing, and I still do write, and I haven't written her again because I always say it, but I always think about her in my head, Virginia Templeton. So it, that's a place that I drew out of from somebody so totally different to get me to push myself not to think it's me, because sometimes... You know, that's why, because people, like, they've asked you, like you're saying, what's like you? My characters aren't like me, and they're not just one person I know. They're a mixture of character, you know, just the things I've chosen for the character. Because once you start writing, wouldn't you agree that your character just came to be, and they develop on their own, their likes Absolutely. and dislikes? Yes. I mean, and, so, and, you know, I, it's yeah. like the first draft, you're kind of getting to know them, and then once the second draft comes... You yes. get a little more intimate with them, and they surprise you with all kinds of things you would never do yourself. 
Right, exactly. And so I think that that once I got over that, I got better. And then I do screenplays. So I think my screenplays help me to get my dialogue better. And uh, I'm not that descript, but I know in sci-fi you have to be. That's why I've never really touched those markets because, but it is a world you made up. So I, you know, I guess this is a good way to develop skills that way because you're making up your own world. Yeah. You know, that it, it, uh, was that hard for you to yeah. do? Or? Um, the good thing was it's it's kind of a modern-day earth, but so, I, you know, I was able to use what I know from our environment. I just had to remember right. that nothing works and it's desolate. But um, April yeah. really pushed me because I'm one of those people who um, don't – I'm also the same way. I don't try to, like – overload the reader with tons of description but then that also sometimes is a drawback so she had to push me she was like whatever you describe I want you to describe put double and then half again so I really had to put more description into it yeah yeah see that's that's something for me I I want to do better and to do more of but I don't because I I don't know I just my character seemed to talk more like me probably (laughs) but uh, and you like to talk. I could, I know that. So it's like that's why we we tend to not. But if you're developing your own world, you get that, you know. Yes. Did Did April yes. talk about the the smell and feel and touch and that those things or? Oh my goodness! Yes. That that first that very first. Because I think when she was on my that. show, I was just thinking back, just thinking back to a show, and I think we talked about that, and I think she was. Because I remember that because I it was so interesting to hear someone talk like that, you know, like I think she even said something like open the refrigerator and just touch things and feel things. And, you know, I that I that was hard for me to to do that, to go, OK, this is what this feels like and whatever. I just was so used to emotions and people's feelings and whatever. I didn't do some of the description like in some of my books that maybe I should have. Yeah, so she, she pushed you, which is she, good. Oh yeah, she pushed me. Like the biggest thing um, as a as a brand new writer, you know, because that's what I was. I, I'm, you know, of course, still new writer, but I was really yeah. new. And she had to keep reminding me to show versus tell because that first draft, yeah. I basically I wanted to yeah. tell everything instead of letting the reader experience right. themselves or you know showing. Yeah. Let them make their own conclusions. But yeah, and then there was one point she told me to close my eyes. And try to describe yeah. everything without actually looking, yeah. you know. So she definitely pushed right. me, and she yeah. made me such a stronger writer. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, look, we all start out a certain way, but you know, then we realize that you know. But the reader, because sometimes what we see and feel and what we're thinking, if we don't describe it, they won't get the same feeling. Right, because they're you know we you have to make sure that they get into the heads of your characters to understand you know what's actually happening because a lot of it is about feeling and it is about describing certain things but I that was a weakness for me that's why I went into screenwriting because in screenwriting I didn't have to do that you just go okay here you are you're at a scene you're at morning in a let's say morning in a restaurant talk you know <laughs> then you just talk to people and that's a lot that's why I did that so I did 12 screen, screenplays and then after I did the screenplays I became a better um, novel writer because I can see it more and then I put it in but you're right when you close your eyes 
and you just get into that room or wherever you are, it it comes out. Yeah, and you she know, had to remind me too that flowing no, yeah, she you know she had to remind me too that just because as a writer we know what's going on, you know we can see it right. doesn't mean the reader can. So, yeah, right, that was a big. See, thing. that's true though, because right, and that's what an editor does. I think like you know a lot of people don't realize that when you know it, it's a big fear in my head. It's not a fear. I don't. It it does kind of stop my writing sometimes thinking that who's ever going to edit it for me, which I've had the same editor for years, but it's like I I always feel like, what is he going to say? And so I, it's so important for me and, and, and for other people out there listening is you can't worry about what the editor thinks and you're, you have to let it go, you know, because from all the guests I've had on my show, a lot of people say they don't, their editor they're aggravated with, they're mad at, they don't like that they did this, but at the end result, the book turns out good. So I know I'm not an editor, but it does inhibit me sometimes thinking, well, what are they going to say? Are they going to hate this? <laughs> or are they going to, you know, <laughs> because it, it, it comes in our head. Do you feel that sometimes when you're writing? Oh, yeah. It's not just you writing. It's your editor looking at it and over yeah, your shoulder. She calls it the Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it, it it is it is troubling, you know. And I and I was going to have a show like that because I somebody that um, has been in my show many times, and he mentioned something to me, and it was so strange because he's a wonderful illustrator, and you know, and I've had lots of illustrators on, and he said sometimes he's wondering. Who's going to even look at this? And I thought, oh, my God, he's so terrific. Why is he thinking that? But we can't help what's in our head, you know, when we're writing or illustrating, whatever we're doing, because we also know that we eventually have to give it to somebody else. (laughs) And that's the thing, you know, it's not just ours anymore, you know. And so when you went out, you had a book signing, you said? Was that fun? Yeah. Is, Is that fun? That was a blast. Was um, DLG Publishing Partners held it um, at a library in San Antonio, and there was a panel of us, uh, several of us authors, um, all from Texas, and we got to answer questions. We did a live reading, and that was just a great experience for me because I'd had one signing before that, but it was just by myself, but this was a little bigger and just a, group, a lot of fun. Right, yeah. 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 I think it is a lot of fun. And I think that, you know, I, we talk about a lot on the show that a lot of times libraries or, or uh, bookstores, they need to have more authors in, you know, because people really enjoy it. They love to yeah, it's fun. I was going to say, it's fun and to it's connect fun because with someone who yeah. wrote a book. Yeah. Yes. And also when, you know, when your book, you know, when a book comes out, and somebody mentions your character, it's so exciting that that character became real to them, too. So does that is that a good feeling for you? Because for me, I love that. When someone says, oh, what about this? Or what about this character? And, oh, my kid, like, that. well, I do write some children's books. So they'll say, like, oh, the kids what, read it every night. I mean, those are the things that it isn't about money. It's about when people tell you those things. It's so exciting to realize that somebody actually liked what you did. So, I mean, right. aren't you happy when you hear things like that? I mean, it does make authors happy. 
Yeah, the first time I got um, an instant message from a reader, and she told me um, that she cried. Now, nobody died, just make that clear, but um, the emotions, you know, she had, you know, she was like, you know, I cried, and, you know, of course, I don't want to make people sad, but I was glad that she connected with that character so much. I think it's good. I think it's good when they cry, when they say they cry. I was just like, oh, that made me feel so good. Yeah, because they felt what you did when you wrote it. Right. So to me, that was the if, biggest compliment. You know, if I'm writing something, yeah, I think that's when you were writing it, did you feel that that section that would get emotions from people? You didn't know? Or I was did you, hoping. Did, you must have had it. Yeah, you were hoping. Yeah. Yeah, because I was really like hoping. And I tried writing. to, yeah, I mean, I, you know, we all, as people, you know, we all go through the gambit of emotions. And I wanted to show that, you know, because yes. the book does deal with some things that are, a little serious. I mean, it's a sci-fi romance, but, you know, none of us are perfect. And that's kind of the theme right. of the book a little bit is, you know, good people do bad things and bad people do good things. You know, what yes. are their motives? What makes them tick like that? You know, what makes them think like that? Right. You know, because I think that's true. I think because, you know, even now, you know, certainly when you're doing a series, but, you know, and that's why, like for me, what I haven't done my Virginia book Again, but I've been writing down tons of things that come up, like if I'm blow-drying my hair or putting on makeup or something, that's when I think about something pops in my head, and I go like, oh, Virginia does this, or or, because she was a pretty tough, very powerful woman, but then I thought, then one day I thought, oh, well, she really does charity work, and nobody knows it, so she goes to the place, and she wears like a baseball cap, and she's not her usual gorgeous self with makeup and dressed up with boots and leather. So when she goes there, she's just her. And I thought, yes, she does do that. And nobody would think she does. But all of a sudden it popped in my head and it made her like have something good. You know, she wasn't only a person that was sexy and powerful, but inside of her, she did this for a reason. Yeah, know, and that kind only of a layer comes by starting to re- yeah, it's a layer of a character that you might not have got at the beginning. That's why when people mm-hmm. like they want ten pages of a book, they go like, oh, the first ten pages I didn't like it, but sometimes it takes a little while to develop it. And in today's market, everybody wants it now, like right yeah. off the page, jump off the page. And sometimes you can't. It needs a beginning. You know, that's the hardest thing is the beginning. You know, that yeah, first grab two paragraphs is, yes, but it's really, when if you look at old books, older books, that, that's not like how it was. They start telling a story <laughs> and it goes on to beginning, middle, and end. Now, if it doesn't start out with, wham, this is something so powerful, then people go, oh, I don't want to read this book. And that's not fair because they're not giving an author a chance. How do you feel about that? I... Uh, I I can see both sides. I think on one side, for the people who want to be hooked in the beginning, you know, the way we live now, everything is so fast. We're in such a hurry. You know, they want to know that they're investing their time in a book that's going to, you know, that's going to carry them through to the end. But on the other hand, you're right. The older books, some of them did start out pretty slow, and that's where the time factor comes in, you know. If you have the time and you want to invest it and, you know, read that, get into that first chapter and try. But I mean, yeah, I, I, I think that's both, both sides. 
Yes, I, I do too. However, as an author, sometimes, you know, and I give my advice to people is just keep writing the book. I don't know that I always follow that, but sometimes I go, oh, this beginning isn't right. And then I just go and then I go, oh, I need to change the beginning. And I, you know, I've mentioned before that I never give my books out or my to read before I'm finished. And I did it the last time I was writing a book. I mean, my last book, and I didn't finish the book because I only gave her a little, and then she went like, oh, I like it, but, and the but was, that's it, I was done. <laughs> the but. <laughs> she gave me that but, and I went like, oh, and, you know, she goes, there's a couple changes I would make, and then I'm going like, oh, my God, I, I should not have done this because I know that I probably won't even use that beginning, so I should know better after all the books I've done in screenplays, but I didn't. And so my advice to people is don't give your book to people to read until it's done. And I never agree. And I did it this time and it screwed me up. And, you know, I know everybody says, oh, beta readers, this one's good, that one's good. I, I'm not so sure about that because they're not, they're, a beta reader could be just someone that's never written a book, doesn't even like the genre sometimes. And so it can really be bad for an author. So, you know, do you agree? So I guess you agree on that because it's very tough. I I think, you know, the beta, the beta readers are a great idea. If, um, and like you said, you know, that's the one thing that plays into them. An author needs, their beta readers need to be interested in that genre. Otherwise it is going to be kind of hard for them to judge it because this is your target audience. You know, you're using them to kind of gauge you know, how you're both going to perform. But I definitely agree. Don't give it out until it's finished because one, you know, what yes. if they get really hooked and they want it and then you don't finish. And two, exactly. you don't want them to persuade right. your story. <laughs> yes. Because the truth is when you're writing and then you go back and look at it, you probably won't use that. You might use something else. So that was a huge mistake. And I've mentioned it several times on my shows because I'm pretty sure that's a problem that, people have because I don't give people usually to read it and a lot of people do give their books out or they read a chapter read two chapters I don't do that because I should know better by now that I probably won't even be keeping those (laughs) chapters so I think you know for me it's really hard you know so I think I over the years that's why you know I love doing the show because for all these years all the mistakes I do make mistakes you know so and I know that other, it's not like a mistake. It's kind of like a learning experience. But even when you know better, like I do, I know I know better, but I did it anyway, and it did screw me up. So now I will never do this again. And they didn't finish the book. It's, it did screw me up. So, and I wish it wouldn't have. I know, I know. But, you know, for me, you know, and that's why, you know, I, you know, we don't have that many sci-fi writers on, which is interesting because it is a world that's like – well, it's coming to, you know, unfortunately, these days, we never know what's going to happen with the virus and things like that. So, I mean, have you watched other movies that you see or movies or books that you've seen where they have a virus, you know, that that or did it just come in your head that this is what you were thinking that what if this happened here, like you said at the beginning? Um, you know, I'm trying to think. Movie-wise, I'm, I can remember Outbreak back in, I think, 1996. That was yes. a good one. But yeah. really, um, yeah. if anybody's read The Stand by Stephen King, um, that yeah. one is kind of the same premise, you know, where uh, um, yeah. like the flu basically 
kills out basically yep. I think like 99% of the world. So other than that, though, those are the only two I could think of that um, I'm sure there's a lot more that I just haven't read. It is read scary, or though. It is a scary thought. It is a mm-hmm. scary thought, you know, because sometimes no matter how much med- medically we've, you know, the progress is wonderful on a lot of things, but there are still a lot of things that, you know, I, I worked in hospitals for years. I was a lab tech, and, you know, you know certain things, but then again, other things like this, virus that's out there now they don't know about and it's the mutations you know know. yes yeah that's the scariest part yes yeah I I think so you know but I do think you know the premise of you know being so free in sci-fi you know I remember when I was uh I I took when I my one, one of the journalism classes I took the teacher made us read, and I'm not lying, she made us read a sci-fi book. And we're going like, (laughs) why would you want, this is journalism, this is about journalism, you know, and why would you do that? And I think she, I, I saw why she did it at the end, but she wanted us to learn about a different world and different things, and we had to read that book. And so I never forgot that because it was kind of, I thought, why is she doing that because journalism is just you know like if you're it, it was like you know I, I being I thought maybe it would be writing for you know a newspaper or something like that which now is not that many the newspapers are going under but um, the problem is is that some of the things that come to our mind and then sci-fi lets you explore where other books you because people now when they're reading the best thing that a lot of them like to do is they love to find a mistake that an author made. <laughs> they are thrilled <laughs> with that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what the readers You know, yeah, they are like, oh, you didn't do this, or you did this, or you missed that. And so I think in a, in a world that you make up, it's your world, not theirs. You know, the other people that are reading it, it's, they have to go into your world. You're not right. going into it's, the it's, world of everybody. Yeah. It does give you more freedom. The only thing with that is if you're using technology or futuristic type things, to me, I still want to make sure they're believable or possible to some extent. So, you know, you definitely have a lot of freedom. But it's kind of like in the world now, now anything is possible, though. You know, when you really think about it, things that happen now, you know, even with the weather and the storms and all of this, it's like, a lot of this is just has never happened before. So yeah, that is like, true. Oh my God, you know, because I I live in Chicago, so I was always thinking, oh, this weather is horrible. The snow is bad. It's, I'd like warm weather. And then now I'm thinking, oh my God, we're really lucky. The floods that people have and the things <laughs> that happen, I'm thinking we don't have that. So you know, but for years I was like, oh, I don't know. You know, Chicago has. You know, I mean, because we have very, very cold weather here, you know, and the wind, it's really bad sometimes. But when you see the other things, the hurricanes and all of this, I'm like, oh, well, not so bad anymore. (laughs) Pretty good. Because you didn't have (laughs) some of the stuff that you have now. So, you know, so that's why it's, it's actually kind of freeing right now for authors is that if you're, like, when you're writing about a virus and now all of a sudden there's a new virus, it's kind of like, oh, Really? You know, so it does happen. But in the yeah. world that you made up, 
Now things, you know, there's a new one. So nobody could have known about that. Yeah. You know, and this was, this is more than SARS, you know, virus. So, I mean, and then people worry about what could happen next because there's some things that we just don't know and can't figure out, which is kind of interesting when you think about it. You got to write a world like that. Yeah, and it it is scary, I mean, because it is something that's, you know, completely possible. And the good thing about reading, you know, when you know it's fiction, you can experience it but know that you're really not experiencing it. But it does give – it does make you stop and think how easily this could happen, though. Yes. And, and and right and which makes which makes you have a like an open road <laughs> just go for it you know I mean you like it to be you know where you stick into some kind of thing where they people don't go oh this will never happen you know but I find myself <laughs> things happening now I go like oh you know oh, like a year ago you go oh this couldn't happen and then there it is it does happen so I I think for writers now I mean on all genres. Things that we see on the news, things that we see happen, and just what's happening in life, we are, it's like an open road, which I think yeah. it was much more restricted before because people would go, like, oh, that could never happen, you know. But now you can write something and think, well, what the hell? <laughs> Might happen, yep. you know? Yeah. And, and so I think it's, it's open. So, I mean, so tell me about the series. You're going to have a, a series now. How many? books do you think you're going to do in the series? It's going to be three. Um, I've already written the second book, and it's in April's hands, so she's, it's going to be going through the first round of edits. Um, I believe it's going to be coming out um, this spring, and then um, I'm going to be writing the third book. Once I get those first that first round of edits back, I'm going to start on the third book, yeah. and that one will be right. coming out in the summer. So, right. That's exciting. So yeah, it is. in other words, you just continually, do you write every day or do you skip yes. a day or do you write every day? What's your schedule? Because I, I know people love to know that, how you manage well, it. Well, <laughs> I'm a little bit obsessive about things. <laughs> yeah. So so I work um, during the day for the government um, and then I take about an hour or two to eat supper, relax a little bit. And then generally uh, about 5 o'clock in the afternoon, I write from about 5 to 9 or 10. Um, or I'll do yeah. some research. Um, I may do some marketing. But every day – and I, I'm going to school also um, working on a bachelor's degree in science. Wow. Um, I've got about a year left, oh, so I work on that on the weekends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. My schedule is pretty crazy. But I, I love having something to do. So, But, yeah, I write every day at, yeah. least, at least an hour, if not four or five. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I think that, you know, I mean, uh, I sometimes, I used to write every single day, and I'm going to go back to that now because I do, you know, because when I have my shows, I have to write up the shows, and I have to look up things and try to do a lot of things. I don't read as much as I like, so I get audiobooks so I could re- listen to them. But uh, how do you feel about audiobooks? Do you like them? Oh, I, mean, I, I, I love audiobooks. I listen to audiobooks. So when I'm working during the day, that's actually where I get a yeah. lot of my reading now, um, which I still yeah, read books yeah. um, off and on, like on the Kindle. But during the day, I just yeah. I love audiobooks. And this one, yeah, my first too. book, is actually in um, production for an audiobook. But, yeah, I love audiobooks. <laughs> is it going to go on ACX? Or is it, is um, it yes. Going to, yeah, yeah. Mine are, all my books are on ACX. And, you know, it's interesting when your books be done, 
when you listen to the book, it'll feel like you never wrote it. <laughs> it'll feel oh, like somebody wait. else wrote it. It's so exciting I, because, you know, the, even the, the books that I read, I, when I hear, you know, that I wrote and I hear them, it's a whole new experience that you I can't wait. Get, you'll see. Yeah, email me when you get your audio book and let me know because you'll see that you'll feel a different way because it's almost like you're, you're listening to a story that somebody else wrote and then you go like, what was I thinking when I wrote that? Because it's kind of, <laughs> you don't know where it comes from. Do you feel that now? I mean, sometimes I do and I'm going like, where did that come? You know, certainly when you've written up several more, you'll, you'll wonder where, what made you think of this in the first place, you know? Because it really is weird how that happens. But audiobooks, to me, it's a whole different experience, and I love it. And I, yeah, and I a think lot of people authors, do not like it. I, I think as an author that, um, and, and, a, and a lover of audiobooks too, it's, that's a whole other audience that an author can reach out to, yeah. though. I mean, there are so many people who don't have time to sit down and read a book, but during work, yeah. They can listen to it, and if an author is able to, I highly suggest them get their books on audio. Yeah, yeah. Well, April just sent a message. I don't think she'll be coming. She got caught in a, some business. So, okay, okay, April will come on another time. That's fine. So, yeah, she just – usually I'm not I'm looking, and all of a sudden I see something screen there. Okay. But, yeah, <laughs> right, I mean, I think, you know, I think for people, you know, a lot of people go – Oh, I like to hold a book. And that's true. A lot of people do like to hold a book. But it's a whole different experience being listening to a book, I think, because I think it's very, uh, like I said before, for mistakes, one of the things I find that people do a lot of times, they go, oh, someone missed a comma. Someone put a paragraph (laughs) wrong. But when you're listening to it, it doesn't make a difference because nobody's going to go, oh, they spelled the word wrong. They forgot to edit this part. It just comes out really interestingly good, you know, and um, because when the person is, you know, uh, I didn't, I'm not the narrator in mind. I would, I would like to be on maybe one or two of them. I could have been, but then it's not as people don't realize how hard it is to narrate a book. Because yeah, it's all uh, about the breath, and it's all about if they, you know, how they speak while they're doing it. Right. No, you know? I completely agree. So, I, I, yeah. I tried a chapter, and I was like, no, this isn't for me. <laughs> oh, maybe this is April. Maybe that is her. Let's just see. April, is that you? Um, actually, Michelle Delagarza. Oh, okay. Did you... Oh. <laughs> did you want to talk? Did you want to? Did you want to talk? Sure, sure. Um, April oh, yes, okay. is actually my it. pen name. Yes. Wait. A so, you just called in, right? Yes, I did. Oh, okay. Oh, hi. I thought it might be April. Okay. <laughs> okay. Did you have a question that you wanted to ask Melissa or? Actually, let me clarify. Michelle Delagarza is my real name. April A. Luna right, is what? my so, pen oh, name. Wait a minute. So then the phone moved. Wait, hold on a minute. Okay. Hello, April, is that you? Yes. April? Well, hello, is that you? can you hear me? Yes. Hello? I just made, you know what? I, that's, oh, April, is that you? 
Yes, but Hello? my real name you know is what? Michelle. Okay. Oh, okay. Great. Okay. All right, I let me tell you something. All right, here's a story. Let me just say that when I I've done shows for ten years, I once had a show with four authors on it, all with different pen names, okay? And I knew them as another name. So it's like, oh my God, it's really Who's who? And then I had one person on that I thought it was two of the same people. It was different people. I mean, but it was weird. Okay, that's the end of that. All right, so because I'm seeing another, I'm on the switchboard, which is why, you know, sometimes I don't answer the, you know, when I just already end the show. All right, so let's hear what you have to say. Okay. So I do not screw up here. All All right, talk. Hello. Won't say anything. <laughs> Can you hear me? Yes. yes. Can you hear us? Okay. All right. Yes. Yes. I can hear you perfectly clear. Okay. All right. I got it. So April is not April. All right. So April is another name. Okay. Actually, April, as I said, is my pen name because I also write. Yes. And I, so I got it. Okay. The publishing house is under DLG Publishing Partners. Right. Okay. So who you right? Because we always text back and we always, you know, we're talk, message back and forth. Okay. So who are you right now? Who do you want to be right, right now? Now I'm wearing the DLG Publishing hat uh, as okay, myself. Good. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> okay. But all yes, right. You're, Melissa, you're, you're still here, right? <laughs> all right. Yes, okay, I'm here. Let's talk about the <laughs> I'm okay. usually on Facebook as April Luna. Okay, that's all I know you. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. Okay. Uh, all right. That's okay. Yeah, people, people already know me after ten years. This is not my best quality here. Okay, when I'm on the phone here. Okay. All right. Let's talk about the publishing company for a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Tell everybody about your publishing company. Well, uh, Publishing Partners. Um, we opened the doors twenty the end of twenty eighteen began to take submissions. Melissa is actually one of our um I'd say the first five authors that we signed. Melissa fell within those first five and so Melissa's book um is actually the the second book to physically release. Um Grains of Graphite was the first one under Kristen Delagarza and then Melissa Kate's just released today, and then we'll have about 30 more releases for 2020. Wow, that's great. That is yeah, terrific. We're the, the door's kind of running, so hopefully, you know, we, we keep hitting the, the ground running. So I heard it's the hard. Listen, of it's hard. It's hard to be a publisher. I think people don't realize how hard it is. It's not easy. It is it is difficult, but it's also really rewarding to be able to see yeah. the author's progression from beginning to end. You know, yeah. before when I was only teaching classes, I only got to see that the part where, you know, the edits were active and live, and I got to see that growth, but I didn't get to see the continued growth of the author. And so now as a publisher, I get to watch that, the progression from a bird's eye view, which is really an amazing thing to watch. 
And I know that Melissa can attest to the fact that going through edits and, you know, learning about some of the facets has been, you know, a, a, a roller coaster ride of sorts. Yes. Yeah, we were talking about we were talking about the fact about editing, right? Because it is. Listen, we uh, you you I know we're busy at the time, but I don't know. We were talking about the fact of, you know, sometimes when authors are writing, you're thinking about what the editor is going to think, and sometimes that gets in your way because you're so worried that they're going to what they're thinking if it's good, if it's bad, or you know, <laughs> you have to sometimes drop the editor part of you and just. Right. Is this true? <laughs> How do you feel about that? I know I, it's hard. I've hit the same editor, so he's in my head a lot. So you know. that is true. When you're writing, you just need to sit down and write. And, and I have to be honest right. with you, that, that very first rough draft is just not going to shine. And yeah. no matter what you do, that first rough draft is a blueprint. And right. you know it's going to have a lot of work ahead of it. So sit yeah. down, put in a chair, finish the story, and then the real fun starts with the edits. Yep. Yeah, because I do think it, you know, I think as authors, you know, we all have these things. That's one of the reasons that I mentioned before. One of the reasons I have this show is because, you know, people like to hear what the other author, what has happened, because most of us go through the same things and don't know it. You know, and sometimes when you hear what other people go through, you go like, oh, yeah, you know, because I've had people either they write with an outline, they don't write with an outline, they, you know, they change their story a lot, they change their characters. And I was just, I was telling Melissa before we got on the air that when I write a title and I change my title, I still call it the first title. So this is difficult. (laughs) This is hard, you know, because it becomes a part of you. You know, even characters, they're, they're like we were, you missed it. I think I, you were busy, but when we were talking about the fact that characters, you know, you add different things because when you start out, like I always tell people too, just start writing. Don't wait for that one moment that you think that you're going to have it all. You don't have it all. So when, when people, when you read people's manuscripts, what do you look for? April, well, all right, I'm going to call you April. <laughs> Won't call you anything. Okay. Uh, right, no. I, I when, people, when when people are writing and you're reading it, what what do you look for in a good manuscript? I look for an active voice first and foremost. I want a voice that I'm going to be willing to follow page after page, and that means a mm-hmm. voice that has a fresh, unique sound to it. It is a voice mm-hmm. that is concise, lean. And conveys a message without being overly, you know, it, I, I don't want to sit there and have to decipher what the author is saying. Like I said, I want it to be right. clean, precise, and get to the point. Yeah. Yeah. Which sometimes is difficult, you know, for not only a new writer, a seasoned writer too. Because sometimes when we're writing, it's it just comes out, but we're not, you know, and... Some may like, that's the thing about books. Some people like some books, but that's one of the problems, though, about reviews. Just because someone gives someone a bad review doesn't mean the book is bad. Does anybody, do you want to say something about that? Because I think that's really important, because I've seen a lot of authors stop writing because they got a bad review. So and I feel always terrible about that. Yeah, and I, and I want to stress that it is highly subjective. As an acquisition editor, what I may love, another editor may feel does not fit their need at that time. 
something that right. I may pass over, the next editor may just grab it and hit the ground running with it. So it's highly subjective, yeah. and it depends on what that individual is looking for. So if you get a no or a bad review, it just means that it's not that person's cup of tea. It doesn't mean to close the book and never type again. It means that was not the home for that specific yeah. book or the reader for that book. Yeah, because I've had so many people just, uh, you know, over the years, they just disappear and they just don't write anymore because they don't like any negative. And, you know, and sometimes negative is good because it, it changes some of the things that you think, you know. And just because someone gives you a review and maybe sometimes you can sit back and go like, oh, they might be right. I had a woman on from KB. Uh, she does reviews, okay, and she did audio reviews. And I met her because I, she wrote a review of one of my books on my audio book and it wasn't really nice. <laughs> it wasn't a good one. And so I called her, I said, Do you want to be on the show? And she said, Yeah. And I said, Good, because I wanna know and because I actually thought she was right about what she said. And so I you know, I'm not the kind that if someone says my book is you know, this is wrong or that I've been lucky enough to have very good reviews, but this was you know, she was really right about it. And I felt that so she came on the air to talk about that. So I think if people like, you know, like what you're saying, you know, you may not like it but somebody else does. So Melissa, this is good for you. Feel good now, somebody you heard that she's fussy, so that's a good thing for a writer to hear <laughs> that when you get taken oh, by a publishing company that somebody likes it. <laughs> you know, I mean, that really, that's so good for an author, you know, that when you finally feel that, yes, somebody enjoys your work. I you have know, to say, even at the right I, and I have to cut in, I have to cut in and say that um, Michelle is a very tough editor, but a good editor. She yeah. made that book so much better. And some of the things she said were hard to hear, especially as a new author, but um Instead of crying or feeling bad about it, that just made me yeah. resolve to make it better. And, I mean, I couldn't have yeah. been blessed with a better editor. Yeah, See, because I think it's important, and that means your career will be good because you'll be able to take criticism in a good way. Because I think that people mm -hmm. get very upset. I mean, and that's why I asked you the question about this, because I think that people stop writing. And I know they yeah, and they shouldn't because they feel they should not. And and because it's really, you know, I mean, sometimes if you take a little criticism and then your next book, I had somebody on, his name is Jack Remick. He'll be on again. He was, uh, he's a professor. He was, you know, a very interesting guy. He does a lot of uh, books in the female, really supportive of female authors. But he once said something. He goes, look it. He goes, you write a book, you get a bad review. You're not going to rewrite the book, so just move on, you know. Correct. And I think that was really good advice. If so, if you some of the books that are out there, good or bad, some you know some people like them, and so, sometimes you read a book and you go, how did that ever get out there? And it got <laughs> out there because somebody liked it, you know. I mean, we're all, you know, I mean, like you're saying, but some people like something. So I think what you said is that when people are listening now, they they shouldn't give up. You Definitely. Know, one person. And, yeah. So yep. one thing that I, I mean, do want to add to that, though, is that 
if you get a bad review or somebody gives you a critique that may contradict something that you feel is important in the book or point something out, one of the best things to do is take a step back and view it without emotion. Mm-hmm. Look at it. See yeah. if if there's, you know, something that warrants your attention there, but look at it with a different lens because every review that you get, good, bad, or indifferent, allows you a different perspective of your body of work. And as the yeah. author, the individual then has to decide, is this, you know, review or critique or comment going to move my story forward or is it going to hinder the progression of the story? So that that's something yeah. only the author can make a decision about. All right. Because that's what we were talking about before. We were talking about audiobooks and audiobooks uh, for me, you know, um, that's we were just talking about the fact that when I listen to my an audio book of mine, it's almost like I didn't write it. I'm just listening to it, and that's why there's a huge audio book market because there are people that love to just listen to audio books, and it's it's a different you. I think you get a different take of an audio book, in my opinion, uh, and. A lot of people don't like audiobooks for their, they want to just read a book. But I think that there is a specific type of person that just listens to audiobooks and likes it for what it is. It keeps them interested. They like the voice, you know, because the voice does matter. You know, um, when you have an audio, you know, when you get a trial with an ACX, which is on Audible, you get the chance to hear it. And if the person doesn't really have the voice that you want, it can ruin the book. I think. Definitely. Uh, Kind of like what I said about when I'm taking submissions and I'm reading a book, I'm listening to the author's inner written voice. Same thing with ACX. I might love reading the book, but once I go out and I listen to an Audible book, I I need to make sure that I can connect with that narrator. So basically the book is receiving two auditions, one for the um, author's voice, a second if it's an audio for me to be able to connect to the narrator. And that that's an important yeah. thing, whether it's a physical book or, you know, ebook, print book or an audible. Yeah, I think it's all different markets. And I do think that's why I had this Katie on and she does a lot of audio reviews. And it was so interesting to hear her take because what you're saying is right. It's a very different format and her take actually on the book made me understand something that I didn't catch and nobody caught because it got really good reviews, but it, I agreed with what she said about my book. So, you know, so I think that you do have to keep an open mind when you're an author. So Melissa, is there anything that um, you would like to talk about or ask Michelle while we're all Um, on the phone? Uh, Michelle, do you want to talk yep. about the editing process with me? <laughs> sure. Okay, let's talk about that because that, that's an important thing. The editing process is editing. Everybody wants to know about editing. So how was the process here? What went on? So how, how did how did you feel about the first aspect uh, or, or the aspect of those early edits that we had before we actually dived into a first round edit? How did those early edits work for you? 
Oh, wow. They opened up my eyes so much. So being a brand-new author, I was under the impression that you write the story, send it to the editor, she fixes the punctuation, and you're good to go. <laughs> oh, was I wrong? That would be nice. Now, now, that, now that's sci-fi. That's definitely sci-fi. <laughs> so instead, I get this, hey, can we talk? Like on the phone, I'm thinking, oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> so that whole day, I'm sweating. I'm nervous. I'm like, oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. And so about two hours later on the phone, <clears throat> I realized, wow, I was really a noob. <laughs> but she opened my eyes to so many things that, you know, I, as a reader, you don't even think about what the author's doing. But now it's coming in yeah. on the author side, and you know the biggest thing was show versus tell. Show, don't tell. Yeah, that was the yeah. biggest thing for me. And the other right, thing to really that's that a hard thing. The, the other thing that that I really look for when I am working with a newer author or a fledgling author is one, yes, show versus tell. I also look for narrator intrusion. I look for head hopping. I look for echoing <laughs> content where you will tell the reader something and then inadvertently show it in dialogue. So these are specifics that editors look for. And these are some of the areas when an editor tells you to tighten your manuscript to get rid of filter words, filler words, you know, those echoes, those yeah, repeats. Yeah. That's what they mean when they say tighten your manuscript. So, yeah. And a lot of authors do not have that, that knowledge going into writing their first book. Now, Melissa has an exceptional command of the English language when it comes to the mechanics. So that really helps. It's good. And then, it's good. Yeah. yeah. And then on top of that, she has um, just an amazing creative, you know, mind that just creates these worlds and just sucks you into it. What she had to work on as a new author was learning the creative aspect of it, learning what those mechanics were within the creative writing world. And yeah. I think that's where there's a gap with some of the writers because they're not sure what they need to tighten or how to tighten it. And that's one of the reasons why right. on the DLG publishing website, we actually have on the blog, we have something called um, an editor, an editing guide. And it kind of helps to pinpoint some of those specific areas. And I, I'd say good 95% of the people who we acquire and those who we may reach out to to have them work on their manuscript, I will send an editing guide out to them, ask them to go back over their content, tighten at least one to three chapters, send it back to me so that I can – Make an informed decision on whether I'm going to acquire their work or not. Yeah. See, because that that is an important thing. I think, you know, what I had said before is that when I went into writing screenplays, it's because I wasn't as great in uh, description. However, I learned how to tighten and edit I don't edit at all. I need editors. That's that. But I learned how to edit my mind out because I did screenplays. Because in screenplays, you don't have time. You have 120 pages max. You can and mostly now it's 90 to 110. So if you write a screenplay, you really get concise for your story. And so you edit out a lot of stuff that you don't need. And 
when I wrote books uh, before that, I always had more things in it that weren't necessary, but when you can edit out, that does help an author. But that's still, even no matter how seasoned anybody is, sometimes people do go on and on, and they don't realize it because what they know in their head is too much to put out. So that's, you know, it's a hard part for people to edit out their minds, you know, and tighten. Because when you say tighten, people go like, what does that mean? You know, but I think you just described it really good. You know, just go back and tighten it. To now, get the whole idea I'm, out. I'm highly familiar with scripts when I, I have an MFA in creative writing and my okay, so. master's thesis was actually in script writing. So I'm familiar with writing features as well as pilots, and you are correct. It is very different writing a script as far as making sure it's lean, it's concise, you take up as little of the real estate with the white page as possible. But the difference between a script and a novel is a script is always written in present tense, and it is always void of a deeper point of view. You cannot have in the action lines, you know, Harriet was thinking about this or Harriet felt this. Right. You have to show that in your dialogue because your dialogue, that subtext, is so important. Yep. So It is very important. And Right, and that is so different. And that, for me, sometimes that does – especially when I'm writing a story that I did as a screenplay, to keep in the tenses gets difficult in my head because I already know what I wrote. So I've decided sometimes now maybe this wasn't such a good idea to write from my scripts because I already know the whole story. So it sometimes gets very difficult when, you know, you already know what's happening and what you did, but it's also in another time frame and another, you know, you are in a different tense. You know, and so it's difficult sometimes. I find it easier to write a script and then from the script actually write the novel versus taking an outline and and adapting it to a script because there's so many things in a novel that will not translate into a script, especially if it's that inner narrative. You cannot put that on the page because it's. There's no way of doing right. that unless you have, you know, no, a megahorn. Right. And right now she's thinking of X, Y, Z. So, yeah, right. it, it, it's right. really It is. It's so different. It really is. And so, I mean, you know, a lot of times, I mean, like, I, I think it happened last year. All of a sudden it hit me because I have 12 screenplays and I was options. And it's like all of a sudden I'm thinking in my head, I'm going like, you know, I really am a script writer. <laughs> you know, more so than uh an author of a book, you know, even though I've written books, but I could hear myself while I was talking. It's like, you know what? I am a script writer. I'm not, you know, so it's like, it is true because it's very, but it's so much fun to do a script a lot of times because, you know, and I was an agent, so I, for the, the WGA, so I mean, I read really literally thousands of scripts. And, you know, but I do tell people now, though, a lot of times that, you know, people want, to have their books as movies, but the only way to do that, a lot of times, you know, if you write it in a novel or a novella, actually, because in Hollywood, they don't really want to read 400 pages. It's not, you know, they're lucky, you're lucky if they could read 10 pages of a script, you know. I mean, they don't like to read like that. I think the best 
I, I guess the best way to go about trying to get your, your book in front of, you know, a director or a producer or an agent is to learn how to write a treatment. Being able to take yeah. your book and within, I'd say, anywhere from two to six pages, eight at the max, and pinpointing what those major beats are. And I know that a lot yeah. of the industry um, individuals are very familiar with the Snyder Beat Sheet and the yeah. major points that it breaks it down into. And now they actually have that for novels for planner plotters. And I just, I, I just love, you know, those beat sheets. I, I'm a, an, an extreme plotter planner. So <laughs> what, is know, it called? Plotter, what is it called? Uh, what is that Snyder Beat Sheet. Could you could you send me the wait? Will you send it to me the link to get those? How to do that? I don't oh, know sure. that. I've not even heard that. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I'll because send I think you, a link you know, to... yeah, because we have a lot of right. Because I have a lot of screenwriters on, you know, and um, I will be having even more on because that's what I'm planning on doing with the directors. And I had a whole, you know, uh, group of people that had written a movie and that it's really ready to go out. And Corbin Burnson was in it, and they were all on it. And, you know, it's so hard. All of these markets, like we're talking, you know, And but I think for everybody listening, you know, the main thing is just do it. You know, like Melissa, you know, when she sits down, she said she finally decided to do it, and then she had this idea, and she did it. You know, and that's the most important thing is doing it because there's no, you're not going to one time they say, oh, okay, today I'm going to sit down and write my whole novel. It's not happening. You know, it may be on occasionally some people can and then they're lucky, but most people cannot do that. Melissa, would you agree? I mean, this takes time. She had an idea, but uh, let me ask one question. Before you decided to do this, how long in between when you had this idea to, did you start putting it down in words? Um, well, because I'm a little obsessive, it started immediately. So a month later, I, okay, all right. <laughs> I had it written. Okay, there you go. Okay. <laughs> I'm obsessive. Hey, there you go. All right. Here's okay. so, so Melissa is right, a prolific I, writer. She, she's a prolific yeah. writer. She can write a novel in about, I'd say, easily, depending on the length of it, in three to six weeks. Um, how long yeah. did it take you to write your novella, Melissa? Um. Probably two and a half weeks, three weeks, somewhere in that area. That's that was great. before any edits. That was just, you know, the first rough draft. So she, she that could would be almost hardly any people, I right? That's wonderful. That's great. Hundred thousand words in, I'd say, wow, three to to six weeks. Yeah, yeah. Right. I got a lot of words right. in my head. That's that's a talent. That's a lot of talent. That's good. I mean, that is because it's not the usual. You just can't, some people, you know, most people. So that's wonderful, you know, and to make it have sense, you know, to make it have sense because a lot of times you people write stuff, you don't even know where it doesn't make any sense at all, and they think it does, but it's not <laughs> happening. It does not make sense, you know. So I think, you know, I think that these are, you know, this has been a good show because, you know, this is things that people want to really know, you know, about writing. You know, and I listen to a lot of people the when they're telling people things, but, you know, when I hear other people talk or when I'm reading, because everybody out there now has got a program that they want you to do or it's going to cost you $500 to join this club or that thing. And even, you know, even reading scripts now, like I'm a WGA agent, and so you can't charge people 
you couldn't, okay? So, and I, you know, and you, it, I worked for free. So now when you see all these things, they go, oh, yes, we're going to read your script and it's going to cost you $400, you know, and this is bad. I mean, this is not the way the market should be because this is why people don't, you know, if you don't have that money, you know, you can't have people critique you, but, you, you know, you're just starting out and you just, you know, writers do not make a lot of money right away. So the fact that they're charging people to do a lot of things is really sad because then they'll stop writing if they don't have the money to do it. You know, even for awards and contests and everybody's asking for money, that's hard. And then so I don't want people to stop their thoughts and stop doing things and go to people that are charging them a lot of money when they shouldn't be. So you know, to because that point, this means Marcia, we won't have good. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So to, to that point, Marsha, I, I agree 100%. And my recommendation there is find a writer's guild in your area or find a script writer's guild. Find a meetup that has individuals who write scripts where you can bounce ideas yeah. off of each other. The best meetup yeah. group that I ever attended or several of them that I attended were non-charge. They, they did not charge yeah. the individual right. a penny, but right. it was a coming right. together of like minds that provided some yeah. honest critique and review. Yeah. And there were yeah. stringent, you know, rules that said, hey, this is what we're looking for. And, you know, if you're looking for a review on your novel or on a script, one of the best things to do is, is know what it is that you're looking for. Are you looking at pacing? Yeah. Are you wanting to know if your character yeah, yeah. is likable, if there's any gaps in development, yeah. if the plot flows, you know, smoothly? Write it out. A reader is going to be more apt to look for those items specifically yeah. if you ask them those specific questions. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, I think so. And there's, you know, there, there are lots of things people can do. That. You know, there are lots of things, right, that people can do. You know, that will help them. You know, and they have sites. I think it's uh, my script or all scripts or something. You can look at. You can look at scripts yeah. or books or you know that are already done. So you know, and when you look at books that are older books, uh, you will wonder how they ever got published, but they did. Okay, so, I mean, it's how it goes, you know. Even if you look at The Wizard of Oz, it's, you know, a book that's, look at the story, it's out forever, people love the story, but if you see the uh, the book of it, you're going like, really? I mean, so it's, you just can't be so hard on yourself when you're writing is to think that your work isn't good enough, because it can be good enough. I mean, it sounds like, you know, that at your publishing company, you're taking the time to nurture your authors and get them out there, which is so important. You know, Melissa, well, you're lucky that she found you. Important. You know, you found each other because this is a good way. Because a lot of times you go with a publisher that's not helping you, and it can hurt you because the book could be really good, and with wrong comments, you can change that book to make it bad. It, it could be bad, you know, where... <laughs> You know, because a good yeah. editor, a good editor will help bring out the author's voice rather than change it. And I mean, an editor yeah. does a disservice if they change the writer's voice. The re whole yeah. reason why we contracted Melissa is because of her writer's voice. 
there was no way we wanted yeah. to change that, but we wanted to enhance right. it and make it more active. Yes. And by doing that, it just, it really polished her voice. So again, I mean, yes. it, it all comes down to how the editing process takes place. But I wanted to ask another question before we're going to go pretty soon. I wanted to ask you now, um, are you taking new, are you looking for new things at the DLG or is there something specific you're looking for? We actually take anything and everything as long as it okay. is fiction. We will take fiction. Okay. We do not take children's books right now. We will take right. young adult, right. new adult, and adult fiction, and we take everything yeah. from sweet to erotica. Yeah. All genres. Okay. Now, yeah, we do you have an good. open All right. So, you know, because I – right. And you, yeah, because, you know um, – I think I put the link out here too on the show page. So, and you know, now if I know people will be asking me, so I I will, yeah, I have it here. The link is on the show page, but I'll put it out right. Hey, Michelle. Because you know, some, yeah, Michelle. Michelle, did you want to tell them about the um, twisted? Yes, that's what I was just fixing to um Yeah, I was going to ask if you wanted to do that because that's why I wanted to. Because people asked me, that's why I wanted to say, right? Go ahead, talk about that. Yes the new thing, your, so your new project? We, we do have an, uh, an open call right now for an import, um, an imprint project called Twisted, and it is fairy tales with a modern-day twist. So we are actively taking proposals as well as full-body manuscripts. If all you have is the idea and submit that proposal, then that, that may prompt one of the acquisition editors to reach out and ask a little bit more information about it. So what we're looking for is a body of work that is between 28, 32,000 words when completed, and it just takes a classic fairy tale, twists it around, and the characters must live in a modern-day world. It can be off-world. Yeah. It can be a free world. It can be sci-fi paranormal, you know, medical, but it must be a twist to a classic fairy tale. And it can even be an obscure one. I, somebody sent me something uh, on one that I hadn't read in years, and I love the way that that author twisted it around. So, yeah. again, we do have a list of items out there as far as classic fairy tales, but anybody that comes forward with an idea uh, one that's not listed, I I am all ears. Yeah, and I'll put that out again. Yeah, because that's why I wanted you to come on, too, to talk about that, because I know when I, you know, sent it out there, I wanted you to talk about it a little so they'll understand it, right? That's why I wanted you to come on, you know, to talk about it a little. Because, you know, I mean, a lot of times people go, oh, we don't know, we want to, you know, go with that person. But, you know, you have a lot of credentials that I didn't even know about, <laughs> So, you know, no, well, you know what, it matters, you know, I mean, it does matter. I think that that's one of the things people are going to people that just go, oh, okay, fine, I'm going to be a publisher. And then they're shocked when the publisher's out of business because the publisher didn't really know what to do with at the beginning. Okay. And they just thought they could make money off of the authors without really putting in the work because it is not easy. Like I said before, it's not, it's hard and you have to have good authors along with the, you know, small publishers can be excellent, but you, you you have your 
you have to be picky. And it sounds like you are, but you have credentials to be picky. Do you know what I mean? So I think that that matters. You know, Melissa, wouldn't you agree on this? I mean, you know, this is, you know, it's not just everybody that can do this. Open a publishing company and go, fine, we're going to do this. You know, and it Definitely. matters, and especially to a new writer, because a new if a new writer gets mixed up with someone that doesn't care about the story, doesn't, and they'll well, which is a lot of people out there, they actually think their work is really good, but it's not, and it's unfortunate they need work on it, but the publishers just keep taking everybody under the sun, and these people actually have begun to think they're actually really doing a great story when they need more work. And I guess April would agree to this because, right? I mean, that is what's out there a lot of times. There's some interesting things that that kind of pass, you know, our doors. So I, yes. I, I can, I can definitely. I mean, I've been doing this 20 years. I've been doing this 20 years, and there are. <laughs> it's unfortunate that people stop writing because they get mixed up with the wrong people too. Because they they think they got published one, two, three, and that everything they do is perfect and that is not true even people that have written for years and years not everything they write is great and that's true i mean again that first rough draft i mean that that's the easy part it's actually sitting down and editing revising it looking for those gaps rewriting it until it polishes the other thing that i want to touch on if we have a moment is yeah sure some of the things that, that I'm seeing come come my way through the house when an offer, you know, is, is extended to an author, I will get a lot of questions, which and I love the questions. So there's never a need to apologize for asking a publisher a question because you know what? Just like the author is looking for a home for their work, we're looking for work, you know, to join our house. So it's a mutual yeah. understanding here. Right. But one of the things I'm seeing coming across quite a bit is uh, our authors who are asking me, how much will this cost? Well, you know, yeah. if it's a reputable, traditional house, yeah. it will not mm-hmm. cost the author a penny. All the editing exactly. will be done by the house. The cost of yeah. the cover art, promotions, you know, yeah nurturing the craft with the author, all of that is part of the contract. And, I mean, to this day, Melissa has, you know, she doesn't pay a penny for any of her edits for her book covers. You know, that that is all something that the publishing house should do for you. If a publishing house says that it's going to cost you X, Y, Z, then that is a vanity press. If they are not promoting themselves as a vanity press, then, you know, my my advice, my personal advice would be to run and find a publishing house that is traditional that will look at your work and accept you for the author that you are and not charge but, you to publish okay, your work. But, right. If you, but if you make the decision to independently publish and want to do it the right way, get an editor, go to somebody that can – Put your book out there for you, but they're not because some of the independent public they do not do editing. So if you hire your own editor, you get your own cover, you get it done right. You can have a very good career, but it has to be done right. You can't just throw it out. 
you know, so I think that that's the other thing, because there are some people that want to do independently publishing, but you have to have all the factors in a good a good editor, a good cover, and you have to have some good advice. And then that's you can true. pay someone not a huge amount, not a huge amount, because I know people have ended up paying $15,000, $20,000, and it makes me so sad that people have done this. Because that is oh, really horrible. You you can get it done. It's horrible. So you can find somebody that for under five hundred or so, but you have to pay extra for editing and doing everything else. But if it's really expensive and you really have a question, just call me or email me. I will talk to you because this to me is horrifying that people have paid so much money and then the job isn't done anyway. It's not done right. That's true. I do encourage authors to, and it's one of the things that I've told several of the authors with DLG Publishing Partners, I encourage my authors to actually go out and become hybrid writers. If they are not self-published, I encourage them to write a novella, write write something, self-publish it. If they were already self-published and looking for a traditional publisher, you know, I, I am all ears. And would love right. a chance to be able to review, you know, an individual's work. But I encourage right. individuals to become hybrid and go both traditional and self-publishing. Right. And, and the reason right. why I do right. that is because as an author, you understand the movement better. If you go into, say, and and it, I'm not trying to plug them. I'm just saying just off the top of my head, say you go into – Amazon or even into draft to digital and you upload your manuscript, there is not a charge for that. As long as you can follow the directions, upload your content and you have done what what Marsha, what you said, you've gone with with an editor, you have ironed out the kinks, you have the best polished product, you know, that you could have at that point in time. And you purchased, you know, a book cover then you are good to go. But I encourage it so that an author can see the flow and the movement because the more they understand about, you know, publishing and the industry, the better pairing they can have with a traditional house. Right, exactly. Exactly. But but I encourage it. But you do have to put in the work. You have to advertise and you have to do a lot yourself. So, I mean, uh, you know, this is really the the case, you know, and that's what, you know, needs to be said to people because they, you know, it took me 20 years to learn a lot of this. You do not, you're not born knowing this. It takes time to learn this and understand it. And if you have questions, ask people that aren't charging you. Don't ask people that are charging you. Because I listen to I listen to a lot of webinars. I'm like queen of webinars. I just like to listen. But at the end of every webinar, they try to sell you something, and that's when I go, bye. You know, but they give you a lot of good information. But I don't want their programs because it's expensive, and I don't want to buy it. But you can learn a lot. You know, and I think sometimes people think that everybody knows everything. And even though I've written all these years and I, I've, I learn on my show, you know, all the time. So I think if you keep your ears and minds open, you can understand this because it it's hard. It's not if it was easy, everybody and their brother would be doing. But this is a hard field, you know, and especially a publisher. And this is why a lot of the smaller ones 
uh, you have credentials, but if you don't have the credentials, then don't make sure that your publisher knows what they're doing. That that is very true because you don't want to get into oh, a relationship is. where your book is tied up and nothing is being done yes. for your body of work right. or mm-hmm. the body of work that is published doesn't meet the standards that you felt that, right. that it would meet. And one yes. of the other things that I want to talk about is when you're in active edits with an editor, again, don't be afraid to say, hey, you know what, you know, I've read this change that you've suggested, but I'm really yeah. feeling strongly about X, Y, Z, and then give the points why. Because yeah. you're the only one who understands that story best, and it's okay right. to push back. If, if a house all of a sudden says, if you don't make this change, I'm going to revoke your contract, you know, then yeah. maybe – not the right pairing for you because you should be able to have a one-on-one conversation with your yeah. your publishing house, with your um, acquisition editor, yes. with your editor, your yeah. copyright. Yeah, you really need this. These are good points. Melissa, is there anything that you'd like to talk about or because we're going to be ending now, I want you to give your link, you know, and uh, where they can find you. They're all on the show page and I'll be putting it out again different places we're also on itunes now so whenever the show is over and the show is on demand so it's going to be out there for a long time on and itunes i went into itunes because now blog talk radio does itunes so i saw my shows like from five years ago they're all on there so and they're on my website which is uh, michiganavenuemedia.com they can go in and hear any of the shows this show and every show and I encourage people that when they're on the show to use the link because people like to hear the author talk, you know, about themselves. Um, and this, I would and make sure you're real, hope, you know. Yeah. I just want everybody, yeah. you know, if, if you get a chance to read The Descendant, it's on Amazon. Um, I would love to hear from readers, you know, your thoughts. Um, and remember, if any book that you purchase – Please, please, please leave a review or at least rate the book for the author because right now this is one of the only ways that we can really, as a new author, get our work out there and in front of people. Yeah, I know. That's the other thing. You know, and that's, you know, and one of the bad things is that's happening now, unfortunately, is Amazon has decided to take off reviews that people, I never made, I never do reviews for people you, I do I've done a couple because being an agent and the shows I just didn't think it was right so I happened to put a couple out they took them off I mean I don't know but they're taking off people I'm you know and I don't know why I've heard this on my shows left and right that's really sad that Amazon has decided to just take some people's reviews off and I don't know why nobody seems to understand it but they think mm-hmm. because someone gave me the book it's that they're my friend they're not always my friend they just giving me a book to read you know so i think amazon yeah do you know about this uh april so one of the have you yes one of the stipulations on that is say say melissa gave you um an arc an advanced reader copy one of the stipulations for that is for you to go in when you're doing your review on that first line state that you know you were provided um, an ARC for an honest yeah. review yeah. that there is no monetary, you know, exchange. Yeah. That yeah. you're just leaving yeah. an honest review, and then you provide your review. Uh, now, I even know. with That's that, not, you know, yeah. 
if if it Amazon that, that part's bad. To, if they make a connection to Facebook and show yeah. and it sees that you all are friends or Melissa is in a group with you and other people yeah. that you have actually provided reviews for, then Amazon yeah. may take it upon themselves to review yeah. to, to yeah. review yeah. that content and then remove it because they say that rather than having a business or, or you know um, yeah. a reader that's why that's why I never that reviewed all these years and right. I never reviewed all these years, but there was a couple of people asked conflict. me to read it and, re- you know, review it, but then I'm not going to do it now. But I, even if I put that down because they are on my show or they, you know, and that's the other thing. So, right. and you know, this is what it is. So, you know, you have to just know this. But my way of doing this is I'll have the authors on my shows, you know, and they can be out there, you know. But it's kind of difficult now. So there are a lot of things that we covered today. So, April, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. And um, I'm happy. And and Melissa, I hope you'll come back again. And when you have your second book out, just just email me and you come on. You know, and absolutely. Anybody that you want, right? And April, if you want to have a few authors, like because you know you've been a party to this when I've had five or six authors at one time, or more. <laughs> yeah. uh, I've had nine, which is off the wall, but uh, we did it. You know, so. You're always welcome to do that, you know, thank at you. any time. So, and thank you. And, okay, April, give your address where they can find you. You can find um, DLG Publishing Partners under um, www.dlgpublishingpartners.com. And if you go to the Contact Us section, you can leave um, information there. Good. All right. And Melissa, one more time, you could where can people find you? You're all over the place here, I see. So <laughs> <laughs> um, Facebook, Twitter. Um, if they're looking for me on Twitter, my handle is Mel C Riddell, R I D D E L L. Um, Facebook, it's Facebook.com backslash Mel C Riddell. And those are the best places to reach me. Okay. Yeah, and then they're all on the page on the show page. So, you know, and they'll be out for however long blog talk is I've done done 10 years so I guess it'll be around for a while and thank you all for listening and so nice to meet you Melissa and um, thank you Michelle I'm not going to I'm not going to start calling you Michelle because then I will call you April forever okay all right anyway all right thank you thank you ladies for coming on it's been really fun today thank you so much thank you thank you bye-bye bye-bye